This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. Welcome to A Closer Look, everybody. So, let's get talking. What's going on, man? Not much. I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Sat in classes all day today. Um, yep. Trying to buy a trailer can be a bit much, yep. but yep. looking uh, for a home. Yep. I understand that. I understand that for sure. I sat in one class today, not a not a bunch, a, a one-hour kind of spiritual formation class, which is always helpful. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So, we're talking about Jesus going to parties today. <laughs> yeah, that that is uh, an element of what we're talking about for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so, explain a, a bit more about your sermon. Yeah, so I know I preached the Luke version of the text, but uh, for today's A Closer Look, I want to look at the Mark version of the story. So, I love... So anybody that knows me pretty intimately knows that I'm a pretty provocative person. Like I just have that type of personality that provokes um, challenge out of right. people, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, maybe it's not the best comparison, but we spent most of our time in fundamentalist churches, you and I. Yeah. And so I feel like I was constantly rocking the boat because I wasn't, I never fit really well into the fundamentalist vein. Uh, I was always doing the things that pushed the boundaries. Yeah. I never veered all the way over to liberalism. Like I, I think Jesus is a real person. Like I never, I never fit fully into the liberal vein, but I also <laughs> never felt like firmly rooted in the fundamentalist vein. Sure. Um, and so I never really felt like I had a home. I always felt like people were watching me and judging me. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I love the story that we have today. Uh, so if you don't know, um, Jesus is a pretty polarizing figure in the ancient world. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. We get so many, we get countless stories where he's just recognized when he shows up in a new city. And, like, for us, we don't think anything of that, right? Because we live in, like, celebrity culture. Yeah. But in the ancient world, they don't have photographs. Nope. <laughs> they don't They don't have, they're not drawing pictures of people. Like, we don't We don't have any, especially the carpenter from Nazareth, right? right. Jesus is not getting drawn if, if anyone's getting drawn. It and would be so, so much, it would be super cool if, if we had a real drawing of Jesus. Because right now all we have is the speculation from BBC. <laughs> Oh yeah, but, but but like that's a pretty fair representation. Sure, yeah. Like Jesus is probably the dude. Like if Jesus showed up today, you would probably think he you'd be afraid of him because he might be look dressed like a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, and like, like he's built like a, a corn fed country boy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like Jesus probably doesn't look the way you think he does. No. Um. But so nobody has these photographs or, or really a true understanding of who Jesus is or what he looked like. Right. And yet everywhere he goes, he's identified. Yeah. It's because he's just a polarizing figure. Like everybody kind of knows who Jesus is. And so we get, we get all these stories where he like in the beginning of the gospels where he calls his 12, his kind of intimate 12 disciples. And in, in Mark chapter one, beginning in verse 13, he says, Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him and he taught them. And he was walking along. He saw Levi, 
son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Now, one thing, one thing that I want to point out here is, and some of my more conservative friends, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to hear about it, but that word follow there is the same word or same root that we get our word disciple. So, sorry everybody, I'm pulling out another book if you're not watching the actual video podcast here. Which you can find on YouTube. Yeah, like absolutely. Like and subscribe. Absolutely. Um, He's okay, I'm sorry. So, the Greek word's not actually where we get our word disciple from. But the word disciple means follower. And so when we see these these phrases of follow, mm-hmm. we, we should think disciple. Like that is what a disciple is. They're, they're someone who's following the path of Jesus. Right. In our in our modern contemporary culture, that's not how we think about disciple. What what do we think of the pious person? Right. The person who pursues uh to some extent self righteousness. Yeah. Um that's not what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who says, I'm going doing I'm going to go where the master goes. And so that means sitting at their feet. So Mary and Martha, right? right that the famous story uh, where Martha's about doing and doing and serving, and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's a, the place of a disciple. They right. go where the master goes. And so in in a context where we have contemporary views of what a disciple is, we miss that simply in the ancient world, a disciple is a follower. And so Jesus walks up to this tax collector who by and large is hated by society. Absolutely. So, so think back to your early childhood and remember the movie Robin Hood. Okay. Which one? The, the, Either one, the, okay. the animated one. Let's <laughs> okay. just go with the animated one, right? The fox. Right. He's going around, he's got his bow and arrow, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, King George, what? Yeah. Yeah. The whole problem there is about taxation. Right. King George is taking advantage of people through taxes. Okay. Uh, while that's several hundred years later, that's the same problem we experience here with tax collectors. Mm. Tax collectors, there's no like national ledger that we can point to that's like, oh, this person owed this much taxes. Like they could just show up and demand anything to you in writing with their seal. Right. And you legally owed that as taxes. And so really nobody liked tax collectors because there's really no checks and balances on them. And to another expense, to another extent, they can abuse the system by requiring too max, too much tax from people, taking the leftovers and ripping up the contract. Mm-hmm. So they can exploit people in the name of taxes. Okay. So when we see tax collector in in the gospels, if if the gospels are a piece of literature, you should when you see tax collector, you should think enemy. Like, that's who they are. Right. They're hated in society. They're enemy number one. They're the antagonist of the story. Right. Okay, so when we get this here that Levi is a tax collector and Jesus walks up and says, follow me, um, 
hey, Jesus, do you know what you've done? Like, nobody likes that dude. Right. Except wealthy people who also try to exploit other people. Right. Like, Jesus, we'd be better off if we left that dude alone. Right. But Jesus goes up to him. Right. Says, hey, bro, why don't you come follow me? And he does. That's the crazy thing. The outcast of society. He got up and followed him. Yeah. So like as as readers of this, we should go immediately. If we were if we were first or second century readers of this, we would go, oh my gosh. It would click for us. No one is removed from restoration. Mm. No one is removed from the call of Jesus. So let's put this in a bit more of a, a modern perspective. Okay. Um for for my liberal friends out there, um, for you this would be the equivalent of Jesus walking up to President Trump. Okay, um, and, and vice versa, right? Just trying to put it in twenty twenty context, right? Yeah, that's I'm I'm processing that in my head. Yeah, that's a fair that's fair um, for sure. And then vice versa for my conservative friends, it would be Jesus walking up to Joe Biden, right? And yeah, maybe it. From the per, their perspective, right? The yeah, maybe the more, opposition. Yeah, the, maybe more for conservatives. It'd be Jesus walking up to Bernie Sanders. Okay, like fair it, enough. It would be the extreme. Fair enough. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Whereas Joe Biden might be centered more as like a a modern Democrat, right? right. Maybe maybe not to the extreme that Bernie Sanders is. Like right. he, you'd be walking up to the polar opposite of you, the extreme end of what's acceptable. Okay. Well, so now you've got like a kind of a, a modern example yeah. of, of what we're talking about here. Yeah, someone in power, someone in positions of power who have influence over economy. Like, yeah, those are really good comparisons. Okay. Those are pretty good comparisons. And so then picking up in verse 15, it says, And he sat at dinner in Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So, do, how how much do you remember growing up in fundamentalism? Too much. Okay, so do you remember hearing the narrative that you need to separate yourself from lost people? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah it's like... So we're, we're the called out people, right? So we remove ourselves. We separate ourselves yeah. from those people. It's a very much us versus them kind yeah. of community. And so if you're not with us and specifically our fundamentalist expression, yeah. you're them, which is anything against us. So you could even be, you could even an be Christian. Orthodox Christian, but yeah. you're against us because you're not right. in our expression. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times. Um, I heard people make um, pejorative comments about Catholics in front of Oh, yeah, for like, sure. The common one is uh, there will be some Catholics in heaven. Like, no, bro, there's probably going to be more Catholics in heaven than fundamentalists because they've been around a whole lot longer. They've been around longer, right. Like, they were the church. Like, let's not forget that. And so what's super funny is that... Um, in social work, we talk about this idea as like a, a quote closed system, right? This this system that is shut off from any people who are not 
in the in group, right? Okay, and yeah, so you yeah, have yeah. an in group and then you have your out group, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And so fundamental fundamentalism Christianity, the way we grew up, um, that's the in group. Yeah. And the only way that you can really become a part of the in group is if somebody from the in group brings you in. Brings you in, yep. And, and you, they're not and, doing, that. and you conform right to the in group Com- completely. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a uniformity, not yeah. unity. Right, and, and people aren't doing that. So how are they expecting the church to grow? Exactly. Jesus doesn't do that. Right. Like I, I want, I want you to see that very clear in the text. Uh, Jesus doesn't do that. It says, and as he sat at dinner in Levi's house yeah jesus didn't go take his lost friend and bring him into his own home jesus went to where he was right and i think that's so important because in contemporary evangelical fundamentalist conservative even moderate positional churches we have a a a come and see evangelism tactic Mm -hmm. let's build these big buildings Let's do this big thing, big production. Right. And let's have people come and see what we're about. Yeah. Nowhere, nowhere do you see Jesus do that. Jesus goes to where they are. And I want you to see this. Jesus, the text says, as he sat at dinner in Levi's house. So number one, one thing we got to understand in the ancient world, if you were eating dinner, you were drinking wine. Okay, like like that's unavoidable. Yeah. You were doing that. Even so much to the point that in other places in the gospels, Jesus is accused of being a drunkard. <laughs> Nobody curls <laughs> hollow accusations in the ancient world. Yeah. That's not to say that Jesus overconsumed. Right. But it is to say that people saw him drinking with people who overconsumed. Right. It was kind of this, and I hate this saying, I really do, but the, the guilty by association. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is that. And so Jesus shows up and he has dinner at Levi's house, drinking wine with Levi. And the text says, many, many. M-A-N-Y. Tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus went in, if we can use this analogy, to the lion's den. Yeah. Like Jesus didn't use the come and see mentality. No. Jesus said, I'm going to go to where they are. Right. This is why I feel so strongly at Wellhouse then we need to have a relational approach. Sure. Because that, that's what this is. Yeah. Like if we were going to put a pin in this, this is relational evangelism. Right. Nowhere in this is Jesus judging anyone. Right. Jesus is going into their world and doing what they do in order to show them grace and extend them mercy. Jesus doesn't say, hey, put your Sunday best on and come to the synagogue where you can be accepted because you look like us. Jesus says, no, I have a message that's worth sharing with you. So I'm going to go where you are and I'm going to do the things that you do. Super cool. 
It's super cool. Like, I think these little stories, I mean, this story that we're going to look at here is literally four or five verses. Yeah. Like, it's overlooked when we we get dogged down into systematic theology. These little snippets are overlooked. And the problem with that is, like, they're recorded for a reason. Like, they've been sustained through the years for a purpose. Because they tell us who Jesus is. Right. Absolutely. So, something, uh, a little bit of a challenge slash call to action for all of our listeners, whether you attend Wellhouse or not. Um, And if you do attend Wellhouse, I'm going to hold you to this a bit stronger. Yeah. Um, When you do outreach... However, that whatever that looks like, don't be afraid to immerse yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, meet people where they are. Yeah. And if you grew up in fundamentalism like like we did, you, you've commonly got this idea like, oh, I need to separate myself to be holy. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The holiness movement is huge in this. And that, that goes into a whole nother... It's a whole nother conversation that we probably need to talk about on Let's Talk, or maybe uh, on Let's maybe, Talk or Pints and Perspectives. Maybe Pints or, and Perspective, the holiness movement, yeah. Um, but something that, that... That's something you need to get out of your head, right? And I'm looking at the camera right now because I want the people on YouTube to see me. I'm talking to you. Yeah. you got to let go of that. Get your hands dirty. Oh, yeah. Such a good word. Get your hands dirty. Uh Grab from the barrel of wine. Yep. Right? Like John chapter to, 2. Go read that story. If you need to, jump in the barrel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get yourself dirty for the restoration of another. Yeah. Uh, and I, I say this with the most care and grace that I can possibly say. It's not all about you. Yeah. Jesus has given you a message Amen. to carry to those who are in need of the gospel. Yeah. And they're in the mud. Yeah. Like it ain't easy to get to them. You're going to have to get dirty if you're going and you're going to them because they're loving it in the mud. They're not trying to get out to you. Yeah. Very few are coming to you. Our call is to go to them. And if, if someone does come to you, your job just got a whole lot easier. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, But, but, but that's not your only job. Right. And this this shows up in the rest of the story in a really cool way. I actually love the way this story plays out because it's so it's so relevant to where we exist today. In verse 16, it says, When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, They said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? All right. He's about to get fired up. Just wait. (laughs) Judgmental jerks. Can you picture the Pharisees sitting in their house, calling on the telephone, on their landlines, in their robes, looking at the party across the way, going, hey, yo, Cephas, do you see this? Jesus, the son of Joseph, is over there drinking wine. (laughs) Oh, my. I cannot believe this is happening. 
Call Pontius Pilate. This has got to stop. Get the centurions in here. Come on. Yeah. Get your head out of the dirt, bro. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. They are conspiring against Jesus because they see him partying it up at Levi's house. Yeah. Now, let me let me bring a, a few things to your mind. Levi's probably got a hopping house. Dude's loaded. He's a tax collector, probably loaded, probably got a hopping house. That's probably a feast with a number of people there. So all the uppity ups looking around going, oh, it's 3 a.m. and they're still partying with their their horns. Yeah. So here's a bit of speculation among all those people, right, just to kind of give a little bit broader perspective of the, the situation that Jesus has immersed himself in. At that time, in that period, with as much money as Levi had, there were probably prostitutes there. Is um, that fair to say? Or potentially, at least around, maybe in the adjacent area. I mean, prostitution in the ancient world doesn't work exactly the way it does in the contemporary culture. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, I think I mean, it's probably safe to say that Levi or some of his um, friends that are present at mm. the party have um concubines that they brought with them okay maybe mean maybe not street prostitutes that right. are showing up um but definitely people of means have concubines that they use and exploit for power moves so not only is Jesus immersing himself in in a financial, uh, oppression, but also humanitarian, like uh, oppression of humans, like yeah, actually taking away people's right to choose. Yeah, so yeah, for sure, he's at least present. Uh, I want to be clear. I don't. I don't think Jesus is indulging in that absolutely, service. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that's that's yes. Yeah, but yes. I think he's present in that moment. So here's another challenge. A way for you to get your hands dirty. Join up with Elijah Rising. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Join Great up call. with Elijah Rising. Go on intervention. Get your hands dirty. See what it's like. Yeah. We'll link them in the show notes, and uh, we'll put we'll put a contact link for them. A great partner of ours that we love dearly. Yeah. But... I think I think that's important for us to notice because we just read this and think that Jesus is somehow removed from the culture that he lives in. Yeah. And like there's just such a level of naivety that comes with that. Yeah. Uh and so the Pharisee the scribes of the Pharisees are looking at this and they're just gossiping to one another. Yeah. Like and and they're going to his disciples, they're calling him out, going, how does he do this? And somewhere along the way, right, they're standing on the driveway, yeah. like waiting for the police to come, contemporary vision here. And Jesus sees the ruckus and he comes over. He says, verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, 
but the sinner. Mm. This this last verse could be a parable in itself. Yeah. Right? A parable is a, a modern story or a contemporary story that relays a spiritual message. Um that phrasing, the healthy or the well uh, are in no need of a physician. That sums it up. Um, Jesus is very poignantly saying, hey, Pharisees, if you got it all figured out, I'm not your Messiah. Because I didn't come for people who think they can get there on their own. I came for people who know they can't get there on their own. Um, I didn't come for the righteous. If you're righteous, bro, you're good. Like, you can get there on your own. Go do the thing. I came for the sinner. I came for the person who's dirty. I came for the person who you don't think's worth it. I came for the person who's oppressed. I came for that prostitute. I came for the person that you hate. I came for the slave. To the Jews, I came for the Gentile. I came for the person who's the polar opposite of you in society. Like, I love that person. Which is you. It's all of you. It's us. We are all that person in need of Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think we so often, because our, our culture, and we're going to talk about this on Let's, Let's Talk in, in several weeks, but we live in an us versus them society. Like we identify with a group or a movement. And so anybody who doesn't identify with us is, is the them. Yeah. Um, to some extent, Jesus has put himself in this category of an us versus them, but he did it in the way you wouldn't think he would do it. Right. Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God in human flesh, the most righteous and pure that you can be. And you have in this story, you've got the sinners with Levi, the tax collectors that Jesus is partying up with. And you've got the the righteous. For my podcast listeners, I've got air quotes here. Of the scribes of the Pharisees. Like, but which one is Jesus hanging out with? It ain't the scribes of the Pharisees. It ain't the righteous. It's the sinner. So like God incarnate is hanging out with the person that you hate. That's Mark's purpose in telling the story is the beginning of the story. You're supposed to place yourself alongside Jesus and you get an antagonist, the Pharisees, the religious folk, and you got to pick a side. And when Jesus picks his side, it's not the religious people that he picks. He picks the sinner. He picks the person that you hate. He picks the person in need of grace. Amen. Mm. That will preach, my friend. He did preach on it. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, that was uh, it was a great sermon. Uh, that was a, a great talk. I really enjoyed that one. Thanks, man. Um, so, you got anything else for us? Wahas Church, please 
Christian, go get your hands dirty. Amen. Don't be afraid to hang out with the sinners and the tax collectors. Go be Jesus to them. Drink wine with them. Connect with them in relationship so that they may be restored by the ultimate healer, the physician, and Jesus.